Thanks for downloading this podcast from Brum Radio. For more programs, search our podcast page at brumradio.com. In the heart of Birmingham, one team to bring you your week in geek. It's the Geeky Brummy Show every Saturday, 12 till 1 on Brum Radio. Good afternoon, you're listening to Geeky Brummy here on Brum Radio, as always. Uh, action-packed show this week, so we haven't even got enough time to tell you what's coming on here. This is Greg Grunberg from both star movies, Trek and War, and you are listening to Brum Radio. So, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them has landed in the cinemas. A uh, bit of a different version of the Harry Potter universe to what we all used to. George and Keith, what are your thoughts on this one? Oh, it's still, J.K. Rowling's laughing all the way to the bank again, isn't she? She's got it, so she knows what she's doing. So didn't they do the actual textbook as a comic relief thing years ago? And it was, yeah, it was, it like, was a tiny, like a little pamphlet, pamphlet yeah. yeah. And uh, what's five, six films they reckon they're going to get out of it? Something like that? Yeah. Which is pretty impressive. It's not bad going. Good on you, J.K. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she's got the golden child in theatres in London at the, the minute. The cursed child, parts, yeah. Which I find a bit yes. disturbing that you've got to go twice. Yeah, see the whole thing. Oh, double, change. double the cash. Do you know yeah. there's always security guards hanging outside that thing? Yes. It's kind of like what people are going to give spoilers away for a plot that's already online and available in a book. Yes, but <laughs> yeah, it's kind of. I'm waiting for that one to turn up in the cinemas at some point. I think it will. I think haven't they already announced that it years. will? Yeah, yeah, give it another five years for Daniel Radcliffe to get a bit older, and then I'm sure the original cast will be returning for that one. They've already bought yeah. the re- websites they need. So yeah, I do quite like the idea of the American. 30s setting though, it looks yeah. interesting. So yeah, I mean, a little bit different to what we've seen before. You got a rumored cameo from young Albus Dumbledore knocking around. Ooh. Yeah. I'd kind of wish they didn't. I yeah. think I think when we um, looked at the trailer a few months back, yeah, having listened to it recently again on our wonderful podcasts, yes, um, yeah, I kind of wish they wouldn't just stick, just steer away completely from any of the characters that we already know. Yeah, um, it's just levering in for no reason, you know. Yeah, it's just name dropping really to yeah. connect it back. And you know, Colin Farrell's always good um, value for money. Yeah, so it could be all right. Eddie Redmayne, bit of an odd choice, I think. For I, I don't think so. I I like Eddie Redmayne. I I'm a fan of his in general. I think he's got. A, he reminds me of Matt Smith playing the Doctor a little bit. I think particularly in these trailers. I don't bit know if anybody chaotic, else thought that. Yeah, it could work for this film. Yeah, yeah, which I can see working. I've not been a big fan of his previous work. Yeah. Um, you know, say, he was terrible in Jupiter Ascending. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is like, is it going to be Jupiter Ascending, <laughs> Eddie Redmayne turns up, or is it going to be Stephen Hawking, Eddie Redmayne turning up? No, I think they know what they've got with this franchise. They they, they can't churn out something that's going to be garbage. They're going, they're going to have yeah. to do something that's going to bring those fans back. Because if you're yeah. if you're selling it on the kind of its connection to Harry Potter, yeah. and that's such a huge franchise. If you drop the ball on that, you know you you're going to you know I don't think it's going to end up being something like a Golden Compass. But I think it's definitely going to be yeah. worth a watch. You know, I like the idea that all the monsters and stuff actually kind of being on the loose in yeah. New York. So. I mean, that was the one yeah. thing with the Harry Potter books. They weren't really that much about the magic. It was more about the interaction between the characters and the magic was a plot device for them. Whereas they seem to turn it around on this one. These are all about the magic and the fantastic beasts. Yeah. With the plot barely stringing it all together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess we're going to make a movie out of a textbook is probably the way it's got to be. Yeah. Guy, your thoughts? No, not having it. Not having it. Waste of time. Always surprised. Waste of cash. You know, what's the point? Like you said, it's a textbook being spun into six films. What's the What's the point? Oh, so we can find a like an hour about one minor character's detail in their life. Go away. (laughs) Go away. One film, maybe. Just Just go away, J.K. Rowling. Harry Potter is done. Stop trying to milk it. I'm probably offending a lot of people right now, but it's 
over. And it ended well. Please direct your hate directly to Guy Halford and not to the rest of the Geeky Brummy team. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> a large crowd have now gathered outside the window yeah, chanting Guy's name. It's like I mean, she did try and get away from Harry Potter with a casual vacancy, and then that was spoiled within 30 minutes of it coming out. It was J.K. Rowling writing yeah. a detective novel, so... I think it's not from lack of trying. I think it's just because it's a safe environment and she's already got a universe built and people keep clamouring for it. And she's sat on a throne of money. And she's sat on a throne of money. But it's like a lot of indus- it's a lot of the entertainment industry is now based around that safe bet, that yes. franchise thing. Yeah. If we can spin Sequel the most simple thing out yeah. into 144 different films, plus books, plus Funko Pop <laughs> vinyls, plus blankets, plus, yeah. you know, whatever. It's plus a slightly different version of the Chinese market because yeah. they've got all the money at the minute, yeah. Mm. Um, so, I don't know. It, I don't know. It, it, two hours entertainment towards Christmas. You it's it it's going right. to be full of yeah. brilliant CGI and pretty yeah. things on screen. So it'll yeah. keep the kids quiet, and that's what it's designed for. I think. I think this year, because we haven't got a Hobbit or a Lord of the Rings or whatever, it yeah. is, you just need that slightly fantastic fantasy film for the, you know that yeah. time of year. It's going to be quite good. But I'm going to love to see what Mark Commode says about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it could be one of those ones that you know. Yeah, it's okay. It's it's family fodder, I think, from start to finish. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you a wand for Christmas, guy, and a cake. Aww. As long as it's not tied into that film, that's fine. We'll get you joined Aww. up to Pottermore. Do you no, want to find out what the house is? What house are you in, guy? It's the first like step up coming to Stephen Mulhern, so I'm not having that either. <laughs> I reckon Guy would be Do you want a Nimbus 2000? He's clearly a yeah, Were you like, were you given a Nimbus 1900 or something? Are you disappointed? Clean sweep seven. Hello, this is Martha Hackett. I played Seska on Voyager, and you're listening to Room Radio. Right, Netflix was bringing back a TV show called Gilmore Girls. Phil Ellis is now going to try and convince Ryan why is it good. I think he's going to fail, but this might be interesting. You can't Lorelei. No, nothing can be good from Lorelei. Lorelei Gilmore is the worst, I will give you that. Like, capital T, capital W, she is just a garbage human being. She really, really is. She's just terrible. But it's everything else in the show that makes it wonderful. It's all these weird cookie background characters who sort of come to the forefront uh, uh, and, and have these sort of really fun storylines. So there's Melissa McCarthy who will be coming back as Suki, which I maintain is the best character she's ever played. You yeah. know, she went off to Hollywood and she was the, the fat lady who farted her way through a couple of big summer blockbusters. But she's <sighs> I won't Su- be hearing it. Suki is actually like a nice nuanced... She did um, actual let's, acting in Let's not talk of Mike and Molly because that she's felt, a, that show no, should but, never but, but, remake. Um, Suki is a nuanced, you know, nice comic character, but she's not like she's not the butt of the joke. She's like the best friend, but she's got her own stuff going on. She's a really good chef, blah, blah, blah. That's great. Um, and then there is um, Paris Geller, who is um, Rory Gilmore's best friend, who is just the perfect monster. She uh, she wants to be um, a Surgeon General. She wants to be the Secretary of Defense. She wants to be everything. She's she's a, like a, like an ego minor. Like e- Leslie Nope. She yes, no, but 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 mm, she might actually be evil. She's mm. she's she's Leslie Nope. If she did if Leslie Nope didn't have that. Mirror universe. Uh, Leslie Nope turned yes. to the dark side. Yes, yes. Yeah. she's she has the potential to to, to mm. be a dictator. Um, and it's just, I mean, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's fantastic. And, and then there's the mother character, so like the oldest Gilmore girl, Emily Gilmore, who is, I, I'm going to pitch her as Mallory Archer. Um, but less drunk. Without the swearing. Without Mallory Archer, yeah, if, if instead of going into espionage, she'd married into like, uh, you know, a sort of waspish dynasty. That's, that's how yeah, I'm going to sell it to you. That. So it's, it's New England Americana. Um, there's some, there's some very kind of like. See, it sounded um, like, like it's a mess, mis- 
a mix between. Very Scatman. Yes. Yay. It's a mix between Twin Peaks without any of the horribleness. It's 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 easy with to Sex and the City it's, shoved on top. It's of it. not Sex and the City. No, I mean it is. Um, it's Twin Peaks. It's the small town weirdness, but instead of going for the dark, it goes for the humour. Sounds like yeah. an ABC Family show to me, Phil. Oh. I mean, there are elements of that. I mean, it never gets that rude. You know, it's all it's all pretty sort of you know like it's safe. But, but it's safe just, drama, it's, isn't it's it? the, the the real charm of it is just like it's the writing and it's the super super fast um, sort of repartee and dialogue between. It's, just characters. having a main character like the protagonist who nobody likes is very hard I also feel that was sort of the point of her though although to be fair she is the only person who feels as strongly about coffee as I do I think it's, so I can I, associate that I think yeah well, you're not you're not really meant to sympathise or relate to Lorelai she is she is as much a terrible snob as her mother who she hates yeah. for being a snob it's and, and I, I, you do kind of feel like she is this weird prism through which you see the rest of this fictional world yeah. and uh, and all these characters probably aren't anywhere near as weird as like you think they are because you're seeing it through her really really right. judgmental lens exactly. so if you had this or my so called life which one would you pick out the two Gilmore Girls Ooh, Ooh. controversial is that Alexis Bledel you're talking about whose career really hasn't gone anywhere she, well, I mean, there's a reason that she's come back to be Rory Gilmore yeah. She, <laughs> yeah. She, she was Becky for all of five minutes in Sin City and that was about it I wasn't invited back for the sequel yeah. no, and she should have killed her off at the end that's why yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh yeah spoilers yeah. <laughs> didn't they wasn't she supposed to be in the running for Fifty Shades of Grey as well but that wouldn't work because she's Rory Gilmore she's America's darling she could play the sweet and innocent role which is you know what um, Anastasia what's her name yeah. is at the beginning but Alexis Bledel in her 30s now I think she still looks about 15. It would just be yeah. really creepy. Yes, she'd gone to the Keanu Reeves School of Aging. Yeah. yeah. Would you need to watch the previous seasons of Gilmore Girls to get anything out of this new one? Or is it, is it um, just going to work by itself without I think, any knowledge? I, I think it's... I mean, they, I imagine because obviously it's been sort of a good 10 years since the, the last series. So I, I would have... I think the last series ended with Rory Gilmore going on the campaign trail with Barack Obama as a journalist. That was how... That was how the series ended for her. So it actually so it, so could it was be eight quite, years ago. Yeah. So it could um, be quite good. So I, and and because point she, she is a political she was um, training as a political journalist at yeah. Harvard, that was her or Yale, I can't remember which, but that was her storyline. So yeah. and that, so there will probably be sort of a background political story in this. Um, it could be interesting actually. It could be interesting I, it, in the it, current it, climate. More yeah. than anything I think it is for the fans who sat through seven <clears> seasons and, and sort of grew to love these characters and then hate them and then love them again. So it, it, again, it had this typical thing which I really hate about American shows where they'll write a good story arc and then the story arc is supposed to finish and it's still too popular so they'll just tack another couple of seasons well, the last on. season did get criticised because Amy Sherman Palladino, who was the showrunner, quit yeah. um, after season six and then so season seven had some really bad missteps. They, they, they brought in um, this... Sort of fourteen-year-old girl called April to play a bit like Hero season Buffy. three. Kind yeah, of oh, thing. No. it's like bringing in a random younger character to try and bring in younger viewers, and it's like yeah. no, 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 no. She's she's annoying. We hate her. We hate her. We hate her. Um, but it's still it, it managed to claw it back and give it a very very satisfying um, finale. Yeah. But but it did leave it open to you know this is still a family. These are still people with lives, yeah. and you you could revisit them. And, and I'm I'm what I think is a good choice that they've made this time is they're just doing four feature length. They're doing. Yeah. A year in the life, so each episode is one season. So it's a bit like Arrested Development, where they yeah, focused and, and, on and a just, character. Yeah, you're just so, so you're you're going to spend. I think it's going to be about maybe an hour and a half, or it's, yeah. it's basically like four short films. Um, and and that way they're not overstaying their welcome. They're not they're not going to extinguish all of the goodwill that the original series has. It's just an update as to where these characters are now. Cool. All right, I will give it a try. Are you convinced? 
No. But I'll give it the good old college try and see. But is that because you know you're going to have to watch it anyway? Yeah, I'm going to have to watch it anyway. You've got time to binge all seven seasons before you have to start hating Lorelei again, yeah. Yeah. Hey everybody, John Barrowman here, and you are listening to Brum Radio. So Keith is about to have his world's first VR experience here in the Brum Radio studio, and he'll be playing Battlezone, which I think, Keith, you played the original version? played this in the 1980s in the arcades. Cool. So this is quite cool. I'm looking around the inside of the cabin of uh, what I'm assuming is my tank. It's weird that uh, you want to reach out and touch things. And I've just hit <laughs> the microphone. That's not good. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I didn't avoid obstacles. Hold options to centre view. Well, well, just ignore that. Or, oh no, it won't let me do anything. I've got to press options. Which one's options? Triangle. Oh, look. I've just, held, I've just held the controller up in front of me. Insert and it shows me. Nexus. I quite like you can see the controller in front of you, which is slightly disconcerting. Oh, insert coin, I like that. Are we offline or online? Offline. Okay. So it's a little bit more, um, oops, try not to get hit. So it's a little bit more um, realistic than the uh, 80s arcade version, which I think was vector graphics. Yeah, it's like being in Tron for real. That's yeah, it's cool. got very much a Tron vibe to it. It does, there's, there's, your brain slightly goes a bit like something weird's happening, especially with the movement. That's, that's okay, I can't aim and move at the same time, it's like, that's terrible. Almost got him. Yeah, it's just shooting. Oh, like, it helps if I aim not six miles up in the air. <laughs> that's, that's okay, I can't aim and move at the same time, it's like, that's terrible. Almost got him. Yeah, it's just shooting. Oh, like, it helps if I aim not six miles up in the air. <laughs> going up that slope that you can just, I don't, not that you can see it, but going up that slope just before, that does make you kind of, that kind of going over a bump in a car. Hmm. We have got a bucket nearby if you need it. I don't think it'll be too much of a problem. <laughs> Being a, uh, what would be cool would be a game that's like a pirate ship that's moving at the same time. Oh, that would God. be uh, pretty awesome. Such a, such a large screen as well, though. You kind of. Um, oh, he's out of it. That's it. Failure, oh, lost. I want to I wanna, um, press the pedals and move the thing. <laughs> the fact that you haven't got a, an arm, what would be cool would be some wristbands yeah. that you could, um, you know, sort of like the motion controllers, but that you could move, you could actually touch the. Yeah. The stuff because you want to kind of interact with that environment which is quite cool what do you guys think about vr do you think it's going to take off i think now compared to how it was 20 years ago i think we're actually pretty much there now i mean the graphics are still slightly simple i'd say is a fair comment mm. it's, it needs a little bit longer but yeah i'm, I'm really enjoying it right I'm, I'm still a bit uncertain to its maximum potential i think the headset yeah. itself is its biggest drawback yeah when, um, when that gets slimmed down to a pair of like goggles. yeah i mean what 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 they ideally want is something like the kind of um the interactive glasses you you got with um yeah the 3d televisions yes so it's a little bit more um yeah. I mean, smaller, if they could merge lighter. that technology together yeah. that would be really awesome but i suppose it's the lenses and yeah. everything else that's in the um, the device yeah. itself. Well, I mean, you've even got Google Cardboard now, which is like yeah. worth a couple of quid to buy, but it's just got a couple of Fresnel lenses. You and didn't that steam up. Why did I steam up? 
Well, I have big glasses. <laughs> no, it's because really. I'm just a large, sweaty man. Yes. But yeah, I, I need to figure out how to just get the uh, clarity a bit better because I was a little bit you know, like yeah, slightly blurry. I think it's a work in progress, but PlayStation VR, it's out now. Don't yeah. buy one if you've got spare 500 quid kicking around. And a PlayStation already. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, I'm Mike Carey, uh, former writer on X-Men, Ultimate Fantastic Four, Lucifer, The Unwritten and Hellblazer. And you're listening to Geeky Brummy on Brum Radio. So Dave is now going into the... I'm going to step away a bit further. The world of zombies. Oh, no, it's really blurry. And I'm sweating so much that I am um, actually... Uh... Oh, no, I nearly swore then already. No... <laughs> So Dave is now playing Until Dawn, Rush of Blood. <laughs> my arm. And as Keith went oh, to imagine, remove the oh, mic cable, <laughs> scared the life out of David. Oh no, they're in the mirrors on one side. Oh my god, there's blood dripping off the face. But let's not put the headphones on entirely. This is just the intro sequence. Yes. I don't like any of it already. How's the VR feeling, Dave? It's okay. Uh, Dave's just about to start the game. Does that have a limited number of bullets? Yes. Yes, so you have to reload by flicking the gun up. Oh, and annoying and avoiding the microphone. I can't, I don't know where. You're not supposed to shoot the guy helping you. I'm just having a bit of a test. I mean, you know, collateral damage and everything. You gotta flick the guns up to reload them, do you? No, I don't like this at all. <laughs> what's happening? Tell us what's happening. Uh, well, I'm about to go into the ghost train. Yeah, and what, apparently what's in... this is a realistic situation, killing things in the. And my gun is lighting up the track. And I, I'm, I'm really about mouth. to swear yes. in a second. <laughs> oh, a child's well, head I, is. I hanging. wanted to respond to that. It's later, loading. But I'm not gonna. <laughs> You might want to reload, Dave. Yes. Dave, sir. <laughs> uh, reload, I'd suggest. Dave, what just happened to you? Um, some uh, some zombies stood on the where there's no tracks on the train because apparently they're floating, floating Flip zombies. Put your guns up, Dave. Put your guns up. Shoot the target. <laughs> <laughs> reload. You don't have unlimited bullets. You need to shoot the targets as you go I along. Need to shoot. No, I'm shooting the scary. Dave, you need to duck. <laughs> no, I really don't. <laughs> so Dave's now going through a slaughterhouse with lots of uh, pigs floating in the air. Yes, it's a very, very pleasant scene to be yes. right now. He's doing all right, though. Yeah. You need to avoid the chainsaws, Dave. What? Yeah, so there's big chainsaws coming towards the minecart as he goes past. Reload, Dave. <laughs> you just waste all your bullets. Oh. Literally, like, Dave is moving all over the place right now. Yes. <laughs> I need to shot my own arm, then. I love that Dave's shooting stuff when there's nothing to shoot. <laughs> yeah. There is things to shoot. He's missing. <laughs> he's, he's to, his guns are empty. Yes. I think Dave's now on the rule of if I shoot everything. So there's, then. like, lava. Yes. Why doesn't this one have any bullets in? <laughs> <laughs> no! No! No bullets! I can't actually look forward. I'm not brave enough to look forward. You're going into a tunnel. No, I'm not going into a tunnel. I'm yeah, sat in a studio. Ready, Dave, for a big drop. No. Oh, ready? my God. I'm already... Uh, 
No! Oh my gosh. I'm managing not to swear though. I thought this is an achievement. Yes. I mean, how has he changed weapons? You have uh, so now you're in a doll factory. Dave, shoot the barrier. I can't see a barrier. Oh. Ow. Dave, you didn't actually crash into the barrier. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So it's like a creepy doll factory Dave's going into at the minute. I think he's ready for another drop. Yeah. How do you feel when it drops, Dave? I don't like it at all. <laughs> oh, quick, shoot the door, shoot the door. Oh, so now he's gone into a creepy mansion house. Oh, the lights, the lights are all are gone out. now. So what's going to happen? Oh, I don't like this. So it's gone to like a very twisty corridor. So, yeah, it's a house with a... It's a, like a, it's a haunted house. I don't like how it goes really, really quiet for a long time. I get very <laughs> suspicious. Suspicious of what? I'm just testing. Oh, it tells me how many bullets I've got. Is that my score deck? No, I don't like this. <laughs> would you would you say you're a bit terrified? I, no, I'm just really, really melted. Considering I've got flat vision, I'm certainly able to judge when something's about to hit me. Oh no, it's oh dark dear, again. Oh dear, oh dear, it's gonna happen, Dave. No. So like the room has just evaporated around Dave. Right, I must, I must. This must be over soon. <laughs> get those clowns, Dave. Get them. Oh, I don't like you. <laughs> Does it show you that I'm not looking up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> so how was that? Your first VR experience? I'd, I'd like to go back to the Shark Tank. I uh, <laughs> so. Oh, I'm very, very, very stressed. That's very stressful. Um, my face is completely melted. I was already like... Um, Nervous before this. I was already... Not, I'd forgotten yeah. that, that we were going to be doing this straight, like, yeah. this morning. So I was just merrily wandering down thinking, I'll just get the train into town. Yeah. And then uh, to the Brum Radio studio, see? I don't drop it. Um And, yeah, um, I was weirded out because we had to sit down and... The kind of VR that I've like sat in before, you had to stand yeah. and move move around. So yeah, like I've been on ones that are on like Venice Beach, where you just start walking along Venice <laughs> Beach, and you can experience the area around you. So was that quite a realistic ghost train for you? I I wouldn't use the word realistic. It was um scary. It was yeah. I mean arcade arcade. In like the last 30 years, arcades yeah. gaming has come a long way, and this is like um, an ex a real extension of that, <coughs> yeah. you know. And yeah, shooting. I mean, the you can. F it's weird. You can feel the drop. Yeah. You can feel. Um, but your body's not. That moving. zombies are yeah. moving towards you, and you feel like you have to respond. Yeah. And it's actually not. Re I mean, I punched the microphone earlier, <laughs> so and it was because I was reaching out towards it. Um, but yeah, I um. <laughs> I'd do it again. Yeah. I would do it again. Thanks um, for your first VR experience. How many games are on there? Plenty. Lots and lots. Wow. Well, I might have to give it another go. Yep. Yeah. So uh, thanks for Geeky Brummy on Brum Radio for my uh, VR experience. Thank you. Hi, this is Garrett Wong. I played Instant Harry Kim on Star Trek Voyager, and you're listening to Brum Radio. It's time to play Top Drums. Alright, so it's time for Top Trumps, and this week we are probably playing with the weirdest pack we've had so far. I think so. It's got to be up there. The Royal one was a pretty... The Royal one was weird, but this is... 
anthropomorphized cartoon pets in the world of this Zuzu is pets. Like Zuzu pets. Yeah. I don't like the way the little peckers winking me on the back. <laughs> What's this problem? What are you winking at, buddy? You might come and buy some pets. You need a thumbs up as well. Right, who wants to start? Um, why, are some, why are some naked and some not so naked? <laughs> What's going on with that? Pervert. <laughs> well, it's really like, if you're going to wear clothes, some of them aren't wearing anything at all. I've got one with a star flying up its bottom, so I don't know what's going on with this one. Oh. Wow. So who's going to start? Let's go, let go, go, come on, Guy, you can start. Oh, you go, can go, go first. On. Oh, I've got a mouthful of lollipop here. your favourite creepy looking hamster. Oh, I'm going to go for somebody called Hank. I don't even know what's attached to him. Maybe a ball. Is he a slave? Uh, oh, he's a bowler. He looks like a slave. Uh, cuteness 27. Yeah, thank you. Oh, you need to give us a description. Oh, he's got a little tongue out, so he kind of looks a bit special. Um, <laughs> no, the actual description on the card. <laughs> Not your own Not description, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this outgoing hamster is known all around as the king of pins. Hank loves anything to do with bowling and has become so great again that he's a local celebrity. Oh. oh no. Is it cousin Nico from Grand Theft Auto? <laughs> Maybe. George. Uh, I've got a hamster named Chunk who is sitting holding a cupcake. Although apparently this laid back surf hamster is famous for chilling out, hanging back and laying low. So I don't know what the cupcake's got to do with anything. <laughs> Still hungry, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, but his cuteness rating is 69. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> hey, that passed by. Well, ignore that one. I have got uh, Pinky. <laughs> is it pink by any chance? She's pink. Uh, this lovable hamster has one thing on her mind. Love. Oh. Get your minds out of the gutter. Wow. She thinks of herself as the Zuzu Cupid and is always trying to find ways to help other hamsters fall in love. She's already matched up six of her friends and they are all a match made in hamster heaven. And she has a cuteness rating of 90. Eat it. Oh. So she sounds like a bit of a meddler, then, really. She does a bit, doesn't she? Going into other people's business. Cuter than yours, though. Keith. Um, I'm not sure if it's a hamster, but it's called Yo-Yo. <laughs> it's got a backpack and what looks like a toothbrush, but I think it's a hamster. It's a paintbrush, because Yo-Yo is a re renaissance woman. From dancing and painting to business and even carpentry. Sounds like a Ron Swanson. This hamster chick, oh, it's a hamster, has it going on. She has a tendency to disappear without telling anyone. And then when she's going, and not tell, I don't, I can't read this. The text is too small. It's shocking. It's what? <laughs> yeah, it's something else. Cuteness, 59. I got bored with that. So she has a family worried about her then? Basically. She's probably got two families by the time, <laughs> Yeah, she's totally double lifing. Yeah, she's got backpacking. Everything's like she's just going to leg it whenever there's any trouble. You know, shocking. Right, so I have a puppy. I have... Leg why have you got a puppy? I have no idea why I have What's a puppy. What's going on with this game? <laughs> well, it's called Legend because it's the American spelling of legend, which they can't do properly. <laughs> so it is Legend, the leader of the puppy pack. Determined to aid any pup in need, Legend spends his time helping the other Zuzu puppies become the best that they can be. Smart, silly and adventurous, this puppy gives great advice to his fellow puppy pals, especially when it comes to some of life's lessons. How many times does the word puppy in that? I don't know, it's like Puppy Yoda. Puppy Yoda. I feel really sorry for the poor bugger copywriter who had to. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yes. Is this a strange world populated entirely by hamsters and puppies? It seems Is to be. Is there nothing else there? Well, I have something else which Bowling. will pop up later on. But okay. Cuteness Bowling. 45. <laughs> so, Phil won Phil that won one. Phil won that one with Pinky. Yes. 
George, your turn to pick a category. Okay. Uh, <coughs> I am going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with Motley. Uh, when Motley was little, he, his papa zoo gave him a soccer ball for his first birthday. From that day forth, the little hamster devoted himself to becoming a soccer legend. Highly competitive and extremely talented, Motley has led his Zooniverse team to th- win three consecutive ham cups. I've not seen him play I'm hoping Barcelona. that is an actual cup made of ham. It sounds like he do be needed up at England's front at the moment. I think he should be. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, his mischief rating, which is 16. Mm-hmm. Silence as we all um, shuffle our way through. <laughs> 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 was that? Yes, mischief. Oh, oh, okay, 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 that's fine. Um... I'm going to go with uh, Roxy. Roxy Bo- Andrews? Born born Roxanne Renee. Oh. Uh, Roxy, moved to <laughs> Roxy moved to Iceland when she was young and found out she had an amazing voice when singing in, <laughs> when singing in an open mic night at a local coffee house. She changed her name to Roxy and became a world-renowned rock star. She met the other rock stars when she moved to the States. Also, she's in, she's in a band called The Rock Stars. That's really original. Uh, uh, I was going to say she met, was in all other rock stars ever. She mischief. Met all <laughs> I'm sorry, that coffee house. It's like the Alanis Morissette. This is still a hamster, it is. isn't it? It's, she's, she's a, she's a yeah. hamster, but she's got a pink and black tie and pierced ears. She's a bit like Avril Lavigne. Uh, nice. Mischief rating of 24. Ooh. Keith. She's a rebel. Well, I'm going to go with a character called Tex. Tex is a rootin' tootin' texture hamster. Tex prefers the more cowboy kind of lifestyle and he lives to spend much of his time on the family ranch with all his brothers and sisters. But he also has a love for travelling. He's sitting on a fence. <laughs> and has a, has a very nice ascot on, actually. It's very, it's very cool. But also he's got a mischief. From that description, you wouldn't wonder how he got a mischief rating of 28. Ooh. <laughs> Guy. Uh, the mischief rain on this card is four, so it's poor, but I'm going for Carly just for the fact that she looks like Sarah Millican. <laughs> well, she does look like Sarah Millican. Oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> if Sarah Millican was a hamster, that is what she would uh, look like. Carly is all about kindness. In fact, the other hamsters probably think, oh, do you want to <laughs> Just don't give a damn. Cope anymore. She just looks like Sarah Millican, and I didn't win. Uh, are we all ready for my golden card here? Go on. Stinker. <laughs> <laughs> The skunk is one mischievous prankster. All of the other Zuzu pets try to avoid Stinker, and not because of his stinkiness. Stinker always seems to find trouble and loves to try and get the other pets into trouble with him. He doesn't try to be mean, he just thinks it's fun. And he seems to be holding a a stoop on the But mischief rating of 40. This is the most villainous of the Zuzu pets, I think. That is. He's a right stinker. Oh, yes. Keith. Keith. Get out. <laughs> Get out. Just pick I the got next paid to write the copy for these things. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to keep the brand awareness of. You're up, Keith. Oh, oh gosh. Um, right, okay. Let's go with... No, I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna save that one for last. I'm gonna go for Lula. Uh, she's a, a lap dog. And she's the best lap dog you'll ever meet in your life. She lives to be cuddled. Uh, yeah, and love and hugs, kisses, snuggles, lots of things. She's yep. pink, big bow. Has a cuteness rating of 85. That is the ugliest dog I've ever seen. <laughs> She's got a very large head and a yes. tiny body. Creepy. All right, I'll go next then. I have Pipsqueak. 
Aww. the aforementioned one with the star flying up towards the bottom. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, <laughs> That's unfortunate. I could tell from the sound of your voice the moment you read that name out, you knew you'd got this one. Yes. Aww. She may be sweet and small, but this petite powerhouse isn't afraid of anything. Pipsqueak is the daredevil with the curiosity of a dozen cats. Seriously, where, where did this copywriter oh. get? I think he was smoking something. Like, he was like, <coughs> I hate this job, but I've got to pay my rent, so I'm just going to like snort something yes. and then write this. Yeah. And get it done. Pips it's like it was written with like Mad Libs or yes. something. Yeah. Pipsqueak is a daredevil with a curiosity of a dozen cats. She loves to play, explore, run, and slide. And this this is just the best sentence in the pack, I think. Just give her some wiggle room and watch her do her stuff. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this all sounds like it could have been written by Rocky Yes. Yeah. Um, cuteness of 86. These Guy. things are sold to children, aren't they? Yes. We assume so. Yeah, but children are Oh, dumb, man, I'm in a no-win situation. Aww. Just pick the stupidest one you have. Just give him Bucky. He's got book teeth. That's a bit harsh, isn't it? Bucky spent most of his life building dams with other beavers. So he's kind of always a beaver. Right, okay. Since then, he spends time in war. He's, 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 he's a beaver, he's basically. He's a bit crap, really. And he hasn't won. So, sod you, Bucky. Aww. What was the score? I don't, I don't know. What was the, what was the category? <laughs> Cuteness. Cuteness. 28. Oh, I might have got this one. I've got this this pretty hamster wearing flowers in her hair. She's called Num Nums. Um, if there's something <laughs> yummy in the area, this cutie will track it down. Num Nums is a super fuzzy friend you can depend on for laughs and love. Her highly trained sniffer can detect a carrot from a mile away, so stand back and watch her scoot to find some munchies. Her cuteness rating is 92. Oh, Blowing me out of the water there. Phil... Um, I'm seriously starting to doubt the scientific accuracy of this fictional world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to go with Sweetie. Born a white little bunny, it was quite a mystery when Sweetie's coat turned pink. Apparently, instead of eating carrots at every meal, this sneaky little bunny ate candy floss instead. It didn't take long before all of that sugar made her pink like her favourite treat. That's bull. That's not how candy floss uh, works. Not how, that's not how science works. Yeah. And, Unless uh, you're drinking Sunny Delight, which did change children. Well, well, this is true. Um, and the <laughs> cuteness delight. rating of this weird pink candy floss mutant bunny is 80. Win for George. Sorry to that one. Yeah. Yes. Who, who's actually won this? Because I'm so bemused by these stupid little animals that I just I don't think anyone won. I think Ryan's play. winning at the moment. With do, at you least know, two. do you know who's won? Yeah. The mugs, who are bu- <laughs> you know, the people who have made this, because mugs are buying this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Including there Ryan. are no winners here today. <laughs> there there no. was a reason why this pack was in the clear of the bin, I think. Yeah. Mm. Right, so no winner speech. Oh, Mal, I didn't uh, play Mr. Squiggles. <laughs> I'm saving it. I've got the top trump card, Mr. Squiggles. I've got someone from the Royal Austrian Hamster Family. (laughs) Nice. And a superhero called Rocky. I had a pirate. (laughs) I've got a panda hamster called Bamboo. Nice. I've got Prince Dashington, who's the only one so far that's wearing clothes. (laughs) That's your new drag name, Phil. Prince Dashington. (laughs) Do you know what? We all need to stop, because we're sounding like kids on a playground here. (laughs) We have been eating, like, you know, sugary treats. That's true. Are we going to turn pink? Maybe. Maybe. Right, that's pretty much it for us this week. Thanks for listening in. We'll be back next week with more geeky chaos. It's a games review. Watch Dogs 2. It came out last week. I bought it. I sold it in 24 hours. Don't bother with this game. It is rubbish. Don't listen to what the reviews say. Welcome to Geeky Brummy. And here we are. Hello and welcome to Geeky Brummy this afternoon. Here in sunny, wet, rainy Digbeth. All the weather, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly, got Michael Fish in the studio. Today. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
There's yeah, weather. Definitely no hurricane coming. Yes. No. So you just heard Guy's wonderful review of Watch Dogs 2. Would you recommend picking it up, Guy? Uh, I recommend that you go give that £40 to charity instead of buying that game. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Not probably the greatest game. Anyway, moving on. This week we have our wrap-up of MCM Birmingham with myself and George. Uh, George's talk at the Gunmakers from a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. We're going to have a group white rubbish. Cool. Yeah. Hooray. You're listening to Geeky Brummy on Brum Radio. MCM Birmingham. George, you were there both days. I was there for the mm-hmm. Sunday. How was it? It was brilliant. I always really like MCM Birmingham. It's one of always a, a con highlight for me of the year. But yeah, this time around was just fantastic. The, the standard of the cosplay this year is some of the highest I've seen for a long time from Brum. There were some incredible costumes around. Truly creative stuff being done. I think my personal favourite was uh, a gentleman whose cosplay name I didn't get. I'm very sorry. If anybody knows, please tweet us. But he'd done a mashup of Batman and Scarecrow and had done like the bat suit out of like the Hessian stuff and had done all the... Uh, kind of bane like venom stuff it was just so cool such a really cool like squash together of characters i love that stuff mm-hmm. i mean there's always loads to do there they had loads of guest stars this week so um keir duller and the manny other bennett. manny bennett was there don't remind me about the manu bennett queue an hour <laughs> an hour waiting there was I, it worth I, it was he lovely i thought he was trapped on the end you by the time he actually <laughs> turned up it was taking that long. He was a lovely gentleman, though. It was really nice. How annoyed were you that me and Philip Ellis had to ask you on Facebook who that man was? Yes. You lost all <laughs> geeky credentials. Yeah, there. Manny Bennett is Spartacus. Awesome. Arrow, come on. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Shame. But yes. Shame. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, yeah, so Manny Bennett, really cool guy. Had a quick chat with him. Got to shake my hand. I was with my friend Rob, who brought his daughter, and he was waving and... Have you washed your hands since? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get it to get the Not, get the stamp off. Stamp, oh, the tra- tramp yes. stamp. Yeah, the gigantic stamp, which was a, like my entire palm. It's a bit like when you've been at a nightclub and you wake up in the morning and you're still like you can't get yeah. it off for a couple of days and you're there at work like oh shame. Yeah. It's like that after MTM. Shame, yeah. shame. <laughs> you saw the big uh, 501st Legion that were there in attendance as well. They had a big photo shoot. Yes, the UK really garrison. Watched. They are incredible. Those guys. They. I don't want to know how long it takes them to make their costumes, but. Yeah, I mean, very talented guys. So there was one Darth Vader, one Kylo Ren, mm-hmm. a few others from Knights of the Old Republic, loads of stormtroopers, etc. Jawas. A Jawa yes. stole my coffee. That's probably my <laughs> highlight of the weekend, actually. A Jawa stole my coffee and ran away. Yes. Did he, please tell me at least when. In a doody! Yeah. He ran away. It made little noises and then it yes. took the coffee and I had to chase it to get it back. I have some questions surrounding mm-hmm. this incident. Yep. He stole your coffee. Yeah. Was it half drunk? Yes. Why would somebody want half-drunk coffee? It's a jawa. They'll steal anything that's not nailed They're down. They're small. Yes. They can't handle a, a full-size coffee. So they wait till people have drunk half of it. <laughs> then they mm. steal it because it's just enough. Otherwise, they waste yes. it. It's all, they're very kind of... Re- they like to recycle jawas. Have you not yeah. seen yeah. Star Wars? Question it's like the wombles of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> Question number two. Did you see him drink the coffee? No. He did not drink the coffee. He just sort of took it and Once again, Jai, off. jawas are very... Uh, kind of like <laughs> <private people. laughs> You know, you can't see their faces. They do. They don't like to be, you know, observed while they're doing stuff. They don't. Yeah. They don't go to Starbucks. Because why you don't get. You, know, you don't Starbucks see Jawas in the queue at Starbucks. Yeah. Have you seen Star Wars, guy? I have. <laughs> well, I have one final question. Yeah. Did you get the coffee back? I did get the coffee back. Uh, a, a nice gentleman stepped in and uh, took away the coffee from the Jawa and brought it back. Thank you, strange man, whoever you were. Additional, qu- additional question: Did you carry on drinking it? I did. Fantastic! I, I, I know everything. Oh, I need to know. I'm now. just wondering when yeah. the lid of the coffee exploded off because it had a bad motivator. 
<laughs> just steam coming from the one side, which you'd hope from a coffee anyway. Was it? Oh, well, coffee's got a bad motivator. <laughs> was it a Greg's coffee? It wasn't. It was a Starbucks coffee. <laughs> yeah. So otherwise, at MTM Comic Con, we had loads of great fun. Um, we had a good chance to have a quick chat with Dave and a few of the cosplayers, and you were there mm-hmm. with the guy from Comic Book. CBCS. CBCS, yes. there we go. Yes, I brain like a sieve today. <laughs> I, I fully admit I have a brain like a sieve today. My, <laughs> I'm all over the place. Sign of being at the studio for a week. Definitely, that's always what yes. happens. Yeah, now there was some, yeah, some seriously amazing cosplay around, and we got to catch up with the fantastic Gonzography photography as well, who was mm-hmm. one of my favourite humans, never mind cosplayers. Um, yes. His cosplay photography is stunning as well. And we Dave had some him. competition in the Gambit world. Star it did. Wars Gambit as well. There was a lot of gambits around. Well, one of it's it's all right. The other gambit is is a, is a dear friend of ours. So it's totally loud. We did our first our first time out as our mashups. We did uh, a Star Wars version of Rogue and Gambit. Um, Dave does a Jedi Gambit, and mine is what is now been named Rogue One. You see what we did there? Uh, so it's Rogue and nice. Rogue Squadron. But there was also a Sith Gambit we found on the Sunday, and that is again one of my costume highlights. I think it was so well done, so clever. <laughs> Um, he's having a cosplay wedding in August, which we've been invited to do. So that's cool. Ooh, that's yeah. Cool yeah, yeah. I didn't manage so congrats, to make it that, that weekend, but I, I was I was following the, the various photographs across the yes. various streams, and he, the cosplay does seem to be. We're at a point now when some of these costumes are incredible. You yeah. Know, if some of these guys do not get careers in yeah. films making costumes for major films, it's. Inc- I mean, and some of them, some of them are, are so screen accurate. It look, they look amazing. And well, I missed a photograph because there was apparently there was a DC versus Marvel. Yes, which uh, George there was. was so, yes, I was around for that one. Yep, uh, we climbed all over the big letters out the front of the NEC. That was a lot of fun. Yes, you won. Yeah. At Marvel, there was a lot more of us. Of course, they would have. All Sorry, the DC ones yeah. probably standing around moping about, wondering whether they'd all got mums of the same name. Maybe. Yeah. If anybody wants to know why there was a muttly sound effect behind us while we <laughs> discussed that, guy came in holding a trainer. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Ryan left, Ryan left something at home. I had to go collect it from his lovely wife, but he couldn't leave the car on the side of the road unattended. I couldn't leave the door to the warehouse cafe unattended. So I was going to use my shoe as a door prop. But I didn't have time to put it back on because the great producer I am rushed to get back in here. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much, my lovely my wife, for dropping that off. That is. Yeah, so while we were there, we had a chance for a £5 tap challenge. Hi, I'm Mike Carey, a former writer on X-Men, Ultimate Fantastic Four, Lucifer, The Unwritten and Hellblazer. And you're listening to Geeky Brummy on Brum Radio. Right, so it is time for when Pete C. Apologise to Periscope Wait, viewers. What is going on today? I don't know. It's like somebody set out for like a weirdness bomb in the studio. Anyway. <laughs> to carry on with the weird. Yes, it's time for our £5 <laughs> tap challenge. Right, so whilst we were there, I set George and Dave a challenge to go and find a £5 item of mm-hmm. their choice for ultimate tap value. And I also picked up an item as well. We're live now on Periscope if you want to tune in and see what we purchased. Or what Brummy. Ryan looks like. Yes. Hello. See, guys, rather magnificent jumper. Yes, it is an impressive mm. jumper. It's worth tuning in just for that. Yes, it's, it's a it's very 8 pit. <laughs> <laughs> it is lovely. Yes. So who's, who's going to be revealing their item first? I think George needs okay. to go first. Because okay. he's doing yours and Dave's. Yeah, yeah. yeah I Shall we start with Dave's? Yes, uh, I think this one might be popular with producer Guy. Uh, Dave selected uh, a record, and it's uh, Who Pays the Ferryman soundtrack, which we bought for the grand price of £4. You paid £4 for that? We, d- we did. Uh, the original music from the BBC TV series. Wow. We were just a yeah. bit confused by should the we, fact that we put this it exists. 
We can put we it should. on. There shall we go. put on a um, little sample of it? I'm sure Dave won't mind if you would like to keep that and add that to your own collection, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does look like it has some of the best cover art that I've seen in a while. It's, it's pretty magnificent. It's pretty. What is it? It's a boat surrounded by flowers. Yes, I think so. Yes. See, I'm going to be disappointed now if this doesn't have Christopher. I'm really happy now. Yes. <laughs> I make guy really happy. Well, there you go. Does that yes. mean I win automatically? Look at him. It's <laughs> <laughs> like he's in his wins. element. Oh. I'm yep. going to try and play some of this now. Lovely. You, you, put guys, you guys carry on. Uh, <laughs> well, my, the item, so the that was Dave's it? pick. Mine yes. was also actually slightly inspired by Guy. One of my first appearances on this show was to judge the £5 tat challenge. Yes. And Guy mm. won with a really inexplicable figurine of a small cat with a fish stuck on its face. And I found an equally inexplicable, actually it's a keyring, uh, of a weird boat with a face. It's a strange it's like pirate a whale ship, and it's got a little whale face. Yes. Is it Boaty McBoatface? It is Boaty McBoatface. This is what we're going to yes. call it. Yeah. It is I felt it was as inexplicable as the cats. So inspired by Guy's weird cats, yes. I went for the boat. What do you think of that one, Keith? Um, it's really, <laughs> really hard. I'm just trying to think. Obscure anime that I, I assume no so. It's of, it's so. on wheels and everything, so you can. Roll it around, to even to, though it's a key ring. It, yeah, I think you're supposed to be able to like wind it up slightly. Maybe yes. I'm not sure. But if you're really, really small, you could perhaps ride around on it. Yes, you could. You have to be quite small though. I guess I'm liking this. Do you guys want to hear a little taste of this? Yeah, we can. Got it playing in the background. It's alright, yeah, that is. There you go. Yeah, nice bit of a. Is this going to go on. back into the rotation for our background music now? I think that's Guy's new backing album. I think it is. Okay, are we ready for our final five pound hat challenge item? I think we're ready. Are we sure? Just pulling some out of oh, his oh, jacket. Oh, here we go. Are you putting it in the jacket? Alright. No, no, this, <laughs> this may scare younger viewers. Yeah. Are we ready? One of the weirder items I've ever seen. Alright, this was the full five pounds worth of value. Oh my god, that's, <laughs> that's messed up. Oh my. Wow. I originally purchased it thinking it was a weird Al Yanko, Yankovic <laughs> figurine, but it's <laughs> not a weird Al Yankovic figurine. It is Lou, aka David Williams, from Little Britain with glasses and everything. There was no Andy available, unfortunately. No. It was just Lou. For those not watching us on Periscope, it is a doll with a plastic head and a cloth body. And yes. it's, it's slightly alarming. And giant hands. <laughs> it has got giant hands. But it's the plasticky head that gets yeah. me. It's got like guy's hair. <laughs> My <has>. glasses. <laughs> right, that looks like what happened if me and you had a child. Aww. Yeah, it's you can't very have that one, freaky. Ryan. It's you can't not. have that one. <laughs> <laughs> it just freaked me out. But if I drew a moustache on it, it would also look like weird. We're, we're no which, yeah, we weren't sure for a while, were we, which yeah, it was just, supposed to be. Just eat it. Just eat it. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 oh, I don't do, think Dave's going to win, George, because really I'm quite liking the music on this, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. not tat enough. It's, it's not tat. It's all right, actually. Yes. Okay. Yes. So we're down Business. to George's <laughs> boat, <laughs> boat face. <laughs> or Keith's new best friend. I'm worried. Keith's gone weird. Hi, I'm David Williams. <laughs> Listen to the Geeky Brother Show on Bram Radio. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, so it is over to you two gentlemen to choose which you think is our best piece of tat this week. Well, like I say, I'm digging the vinyl, so, you know, anything anything vinyl, I'm happy. So it's got to be the weird figure. Yeah. It's got to be the weird figure. As soon as we found that, I think we knew we'd yeah, lost, uh, Keith. Yeah, this is the new Geeky Brummy mascot. Yeah. <laughs> Can we it take it? Like the, biz- the bizarre the weird boat. whale... Can oh, we yes, take Lou sales. with us for adventures everywhere now yes. and like put photos of him on Twitter of 
what he's going up to. Yeah, I think we'll have to get a little geeky brummy custom shirt. Custom shirt. I think we should. Signed by yes. people. Yes, that's yeah, an excellent idea. Yes. Let's do that. Yeah, I was going to give him away, but no, we like him too much. Yeah. No. So he's staying with us, I think. I've got a Twitter competition. You don't win anything, but um, if you can answer, <laughs> tweet at Geeky Brummy. Who does pay the ferryman? Who actually does Who pay does the ferryman? Yes. Yeah, we might give you something question. random out Maybe. of our cupboard full of weird things. Yeah. It's the angry face on the back. My God. Can you show us the back of that album? Neil McCarthy so looks a bit scary in that. It is quite. It's a very strange. What was this series? When is that from? Is that like seventies, eighties? This seems like it's your time period. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, well, no, nineteen seventy-eight. So I would have been ten. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Handbags. I don't, I don't think I'd have. I don't think I'd have watched this. Really? This was no. probably. This was probably on after uh, That's Life on a Sunday night. Yeah, I probably <laughs> missed it. Yes. Why does it look like? One of the Gibb brothers are wearing. I know. I thought. It is really an inexplicable album. Yeah, you got Maverick, Magnum PI there as well. Yeah, that's good. Why some, were they selling vinyl at Comic Con? Uh, Rick and TJ. I don't know. Scene. There was a store with quite a lot of it. It was all TV series soundtracks. Yes. I guess it sort of fits. Well, yeah, they picked up a Star Wars album which said Disco Star Wars. I'm thinking this is going to be awesome. One track, which was the disco Star Wars theme, and that was it, and the rest oh, was yeah, just, normal just normal disco. disco. Well, hang on a minute, that's not bad. Did you buy this record? No, because it only had one disco Star Wars track <laughs> on it, oh, which I was disappointed in this. I was Would you like to keep Boaty McBoatface as a consolation <laughs> for your disappointment? <laughs> you can be is friends it, with is your it cat. Themed? Is that actually a ferry? Is that a whale ferry that now going has <laughs> maybe, to pass? Maybe. Yes, apparently, it's ferry themed, but Lou is like the captain of this boat. <laughs> I don't have I think the cat so. anymore. We gave that away. Yes, do you want Boaty McBoatface to make up for it? Yeah. I've done all right out of this. Yeah, I've a record of Boaty Is what we've done gone to Comic Con and bought weird presents for Guy? Is this what we've done? Yes. Uh, just, I'm kind of like a bit confused because I was thinking MCM Comic Con, yes. you know, superheroes, comic related stuff. Yeah, we were uh, thinking we're looking for comic. But an album from a bizarre British Greek co production from the 1970s. So, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's going to this show? I'll go to the Comic Con to buy an album from a obscure 1970s Greek based TV show. Yeah. Is that going to go into the vinyl collection, guy? Yeah, you may see that picture on Instagram soon. Uh, follow me on Instagram, oh, Dino Guy H. For, for some reason, I don't know who that <laughs> Get that plug in. Oh. We got a little heart on Periscope. Oh. Thank right. you. This is Nicole DeBoer from Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Brum Radio. <laughs> My arms ache now from playing that doll around. Yes. There's a sentence I never thought I'd hear a grown man say. If you haven't seen the Periscope video <laughs> of Luke from Little Britain dancing around the studio to Rock the Other Days, please rewatch it. It's fun. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Breathe. Breathe. Back to normal. Going to make his arms. George, you were there a few weeks ago. I was. Uh, yeah, they very kindly invited me to go along and host a talk about female superheroes, which was a lot of fun. I talked about some of my personal favourites, some of the most important, and some of the women who uh, inspired them or created them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have a little clip to play out, and then we'll have a quick chat afterwards. <laughs> cool. Um, then we'll kick off. First off, thank you for coming. I'm George. Uh, I am a lifestyle blogger, a radio presenter, uh, a lifelong geek, and obviously somewhat of an obsessive for superheroes. I am probably best known as Caramel Latte Kiss. I usually look like this. I am <laughs> uh, a cosplayer. For those of you who don't know what that is, cosplay essentially means costume play, which basically means I spend my weekends dressed up as a superhero. As a cosplayer, I've been featured in regional and national press. Uh, I've been involved in promotional events for companies like Game, 
um, I've been part of Calendars, massive charity for local stuff like Baby Lifeline based in Coventry. Um, Girl Power, my talk tonight, is going to cover some of the most iconic, the most important, and some of my personal favourite female superheroes and some of the women behind their creation. We couldn't really start anywhere else except with Wonder Woman, who is probably the most famous female superhero that there is. Um, she wasn't actually the first, but everybody who came before her had been part of somebody else's storyline. Wonder Woman was the first to have her own book. Um, <coughs> and to say she's still one of the most iconic there is. She first appeared in 1941, when she looked like this. <laughs> she pretty soon had her own title, which I say was unheard of for a woman at the time. Uh, she was actually created by an American psychologist, uh, William Moulton Marston. She's inspired by two very important women in Marston's life. The first one is Elizabeth Holloway Marston, Marston's wife. And the other is Olive Byrne, who was Marston's girlfriend, who lived with them. <laughs> Slightly unusual setup. <laughs> Uh, when Marston created her, he was actually working as an educational consultant for national periodicals and all American publications. These two companies later merged and became DC Comics. Uh, Marston's background in psychology and the influence of the women in his life, um, he began to create an idea for a new kind of superhero. Superheroes were really going to take off in the 40s and he felt that there was a gap in the market. He wanted a superhero who wasn't about fists and violence, but it was about truth and love. It was his wife Elizabeth who suggested that maybe this hero ought to be a woman. This quote is from Marston, who's one of my favourites. Um, Wonder Woman is psychological propaganda for the new type of woman who should, I believe, rule the world. Marston was a firm believer that women were more emotionally intelligent than men, um, despite being a man himself. He was pretty insistent that women ought to be in charge of things and that, if possible, a woman like Wonder Woman should be in charge of things, which doesn't seem like such a bad idea. Uh, truth was something of an obsession for Marston. He's credited with the invention of the polygraph test, which anybody who's ever watched daytime TV might know better as the lie detector. Uh, Wonder Woman's main weapon is actually a golden lasso. Once she has you bound in that lasso, you are compelled to tell her only the truth. She uses that quite a lot in her early stories, so truth was pretty important. In this shot, this woman here, this is Olive Burton. You can just about see that unfortunately the photos that he's still survived aren't that detailed, but she's wearing a pretty detailed metal bracelet. She actually had two of those, uh, and those of you who have ever seen a picture of Wonder Woman know that she also wears two metal braces. Olive had the bracelets uh, instead of a wedding ring, because obviously Martin's already married, so you could marry her, her as well. <laughs> Wonder Woman's costume has changed rather a lot over the years, but the bracelets have always remained. They are a very, very important part of her. And Wonder Woman was pretty, pretty scandalous when she first launched, um, and it was the 40s. Her classic iconic bathing suit with an outfit was not terribly popular. Uh, even Marston's mother didn't really approve. She wrote to him telling him that she was really proud of his success, but couldn't her shorts be just a little bit longer? <laughs> her early storylines were pretty groundbreaking as well. Uh, Captain America was one of the most successful superhero comics at the time, uh, and Wonder Woman, like him, uh, joined in the fight against the Nazis. They were pretty much propaganda comics for a long time. But when she wasn't joining the army, Wonder Woman fought for women's education, for body positivity, and against the oppression of women. With inspiration like Elizabeth Marston and Olive Byrne, it's kind of not surprising that she stood for things, that sort of thing. Elizabeth was actually the main breadwinner of the family. Marston worked pretty sporadically. 
uh, while Elizabeth went out and earned the money to keep the family. In the 40s, few women went on to higher education, whereas Elizabeth actually earned two degrees in her own right, one in psychology and one in law. She had a pretty successful career and was involved in actually inducting some of the content for the new encyclopedia. Olive uh, actually had, ironically, perhaps the more traditional role of the two women. She stayed at home and raised the family's four children. Marston had two women, the two, two, two children with each woman. <laughs> but despite this, raising four kids, she found time to be a successful journalist as well. Since she missed she wrote regular columns and interviews for Family Circle. Olive's mother is also a pretty infamous figure. Uh, her mother is Ethel Byrne, who opened the first birth control clinic in America. She was famously imprisoned for distributing information about birth control. While she was in prison, she went on hunger strike. And she was the first female political prisoner to be subjected to forced feeding. <laughs> Living with these two women, it's kind of unsurprising that Wonder Woman often spoke about female education, suffrage, and birth control. It's not surprising that in the early comics, she's often shown breaking chains. Master's way of showing women literally breaking free of the shackles of society. Uh, Wonder Woman has been in print since the 40s and she's remained a total icon. This year is actually her 75th year in print. She routinely tops the list of best superheroes, male or female, and she continues to break boundaries. In 1972, Gloria Steinem put Wonder Woman on the cover of the brand new Ms. magazine. Steinem saw Wonder Woman as the poster girl of the second wave feminism. In the 70s TV series, starring Linda Carter, which is possibly one of the most famous versions of Wonder Woman, and one of the most popular, this the TV series also kind of stayed in, in theme with the feminism. They even named an episode The Feminine Mystique, which of course is uh, the book that is largely credited with sparking the second wave of feminism. Even in 2016, she's still pretty relevant. Uh, at the end of September this year, one of the writers on the comic, Greg Rucker, confirmed that he believes that Wonder Woman is queer. Uh, in an interview with Comicosity, Rucker said that while he doesn't feel Wonder Woman's sexuality is to get in the way of the story, he firmly believes that, obviously, coming from a female utopia, Wonder Woman would have had relationships with women as well as men. As yet, we haven't seen this on the page, uh, but maybe that's something to come in the future. And then in October this year, Wonder Woman was named UN Ambassador for Gender Equality. So 75 years after her creation, she is still an icon of female power. Coming out from Wonder Woman, she might be unusual, but she was far from the first out woman in comics. In the 50s, one of the biggest selling titles in comics was Batman, as it is today. But unfortunately, Batman and his trusty psychic Robin were troubled by some pretty disturbing rumours that were upsetting the comic buying public. It seemed suspicious that these two men would share a house together with no woman around. People began to worry. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, in 1956, the writer Edward Hamilton had decided that what they should do is expand the Bat family, and he introduced a woman, Kate Kane, and named her Batwoman. Batwoman was not an immediate success. She appeared fairly intermittently and moved in and out of the comics, but she joined main continuity in 2006. But the Batwoman we have today is fairly different to the one in the 50s. Ironically, for a woman who was introduced to stop rumours of homosexuality, current Kate Kane is openly gay. Uh, she, again, she's not the first lesbian hero, but she's probably the highest profile one there is. In 2013, she reached another milestone and proposed to her girlfriend Maggie. Unfortunately, we yet to see them tie, tie the knot, because according to DC, heroes shouldn't have happy personal lives. This is a shame. <laughs> Hopefully these two can sort it out. Perhaps more famous though than Batwoman is of course Batgirl, or as she's also known, Barbara Gordon, the daughter of Commissioner Gordon. She was pretty different when she was first introduced in that she was never intended to be a love interest for Batman. She was a hero in her own right. But what makes her really special is what happened to her after she was introduced. In the now infamous Batman story, The Killing Joke, Barbara Gordon answers the door to the Joker. He shoots her in the spine, and while she is unable to move, he proceeds to undress her and take photographs. He later uses these photographs to torture her father. This event remains one of the most shocking in comic book history, and highlights the difference between male and female heroes. We've actually seen Batman break his spine on several occasions in the, uh, in the comics, the most famous being when Bane breaks it for him. After this, Batman is back up and fighting the villains again after about a year. 
Uh, fat girl, unfortunately, is told she will never work again, and she's confined to a wheelchair. She stayed there for several years. History. The fate of Batgirl was one of the main examples that's used in Gail Simone's website, Women in Refrigerators. This term, which is coined by Simone, is inspired by Green Lantern 54, in which our hero comes home to find his girlfriend's body stuffed in his fridge. Fairly unpleasant stuff. Simone began to gather uh, a list of female characters who've been killed, maimed, or depowered in a way that treats the female as a device for the male character's story arc. There's a lot of famous examples, uh, including the death of Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man, Psylocke having her eyes gouged out in Captain Britain and the murder of Karen Page in Daredevil. But coming back to Batgirl, while she was still in her wheelchair, she became Oracle, a new superhero who used technology to create a communication network for other superheroes to use. So she would find out where there was a problem, she would speak to the other superheroes and tell them where to go. What was pretty cool about this was that it was actually Simone who wrote some of the most famous Oracle storylines. Uh, she became a core member of the Birds of Prey, uh, and she's credited, yeah, Simone's credited some of the best Oracle storylines. Oracle became a beloved character in her own right, separate of Batgirl which is, considering her pretty horrible origins, is pretty cool. Um, she's often heralded as a pretty powerful figure for representation of disabilities in comics. But as we know, in the world of comic books, nothing is forever. In 2011, DC Comics rebooted its entire line of heroes. It scrapped lots of them, and it created a new line that it called the New 52. Batgirl was one of its flagship titles. So Oracle came out of the chair and went back to being Batgirl. At the time, this was actually fairly unpopular. A lot of people loved Oracle and were sad to see her go. DC very wisely kept Gail Simone at the helm and she wrote the first selection of these Batgirl stories in New 52. And it became one of the standout titles of the New 52 run. Batgirl in this is definitely a young girl. She's written to be a teenager. And the world she exists in is social media dominated. And we see a lot of her struggles in trying to be an ordinary teenager and also being a superhero. Pretty tough stuff. The supporting characters in her story are also pretty diverse. The tone is bright and refreshing. So, get on for somebody who's spent a long time totally forgotten in the stories, Batgirl is pretty much leading the way for the Bat family still. In the 70s, more female superheroes started to appear. Um, they were becoming more popular and feminism was rife, so the comics makers responded. Uh, debuting in 1977 was this hero, Ms. Marvel, uh, a deliberate attempt to create a feminist superhero. Her name's a reference to the, at the time, newly launched Ms. Magazine, and her early cover line was actually, This Female Fights Back. Unfortunately, while the intentions were good, Ms. Marvel was a fairly controversial hero. <laughs> in, uh, in Avengers 200, Carol Danvers, who's the, the real name of Ms. Marvel, was abducted to limbo by a man named Marcus. He mind controls her into being attracted to him, impregnates her, and sends her back to Earth with no memories. Unfortunately, the other Avengers seem to think this is pretty okay. I mean, a lot of weird stuff happens in comics, but they're fairly undisturbed by this, and it's business as usual. And eventually, Danvers returns to Limbo with Marcus. Unsurprisingly, this storyline was pretty controversial, and is often talked about as one of the most kind of appalling treatments of women in comics. But luckily, there was hope on the horizon for Carol Danvers. In the 1980s, uh, a comic writer called Chris Claremont took over the writing of Ms. Marvel. At Avengers Annual 10, she returns to Earth, she's taken in by the X-Men, she gets back her memories and her mind, and she's able to have a pop at the Avengers for their pretty crap treatment of what happened to her. <laughs> and even better than that, in 2012, she got a cool new jumpsuit, she got a cool new haircut, and she got a new name. Captain Marvel. In her own run, she's now leading an elite squadron of female pilots. And she's, uh, she's pretty cool. This year, Carol Danvers, as Captain Marvel, has uh, been one of the key players in the Civil War II storyline. The original Civil War is largely regarded as one of the best long-running storylines in comics. So to have a female hero at the forefront of the sequel to that is pretty powerful. 
She's also finally going to get her own movie, uh, starring Brie Larson. Captain Marvel is set for release in 2019. But the title of Ms. Marvel was of course standing open, somebody needed to take over. So in 2014, a new Ms. Marvel appeared. This is Kamala Khan. She is a teenage Pakistani-American girl from New Jersey. She has shape-shifting abilities. She's actually a bit of a fangirl for the original Ms. Marvel, so she decides to take on the name, because when she first gets her powers, she accidentally takes on the form of the original Ms. Marvel. Khan is the first ever Muslim hero to headline her own Marvel book, which is, again, a pretty powerful statement. Her costume couldn't be much more different from the very famous kind of play-cut leotard that Carol Danvers favoured when she was Ms. Marvel. Uh, instead, her look is based on the traditional shawar kameez, reflecting Khan's uh, cultural background. The new hero was well received by both fans and critics. The first uh, collected paperback of uh, Kamala Khan's adventures won the Hugo Award for Best Graphic Story in 2015, the Dragon Award for Best Comic of the Year, uh, and it also won. Uh, it also went on then to reach number two on the New York Times bestseller list and went into a record reprinting uh, nine times. Uh, in 2015, anti-Muslim adverts began to appear in San Francisco buses. How did San Francisco residents respond? They posted pictures of Kamala Khan over those adverts with slogans including stamp out racism. So she's working pretty hard for a teenage girl. <laughs> Some of the most iconic female superheroes have come from Marvel's X-Men. Uh, Uncanny X-Men in 1975 completely overhauled its female characters and began to introduce some pretty amazing female heroes. Jean Grey changed from being Marvel Girl to Phoenix, who is still regarded as one of the most powerful heroes there is. Uh, she is all but omnipotent, and she was so powerful that when she turned dark, it took the entire rest of the X-Men team to take her down. As if that wasn't enough, a new addition also joined the team in the 70s, Storm, who was that uh, she can control the weather, she was powerful, she was confident, and she was capable from her first appearance. She remains, again, possibly one of the most famous black superheroes there is. Uh, in the 70s, Chris Claremont, again, so he appears again, he was in control of the X-Men. His portrayals of the female members of the team so characters including Storm, Jean Grey, Kitty Pride, Rogue, Psylocke. They are some of the most, again, famous representations of these heroes and they're largely considered the definitive, the definitive versions of these characters. Uh, this, these characters led to the coining of the term Claremont Women. Claremont Women are smart, powerful, capable and multifaceted heroes. Before Claremont, young women had usually been portrayed as inept or having fairly limited powers. One of the most, I think one of my favourite examples of how different Claremont did things is Kitty Pride. Kitty Pride was just 13 when she joined the X-Men, and she is still the youngest ever member. One of the most interesting X-Men, and my personal favourite, is Rogue. She's a Claremont creation. Uh, she actually started out as a villain in the Avengers Annual. She has an involuntary power. She absorbs the memories, strength and powers of anyone she touches skin to skin. She's incredibly powerful, but unfortunately she can't have any physical contact with anybody because she doesn't have any control over it. When she's first introduced, she accidentally absorbs the powers of Ms. Marvel. She also absorbs some of the, the personality and the memories of Ms. Marvel. So having the two personalities in her head, she's driven almost mad by trying to unpack who is her and who is Ms. Marvel. She goes to the X-Men for help and later became a fully fledged member of the team. She's pretty different compared to most superheroes. A lot of the female heroes we're used to seeing are fairly undressed, whereas Rogue is covered head to foot, including her hands, also because she can't touch anybody. It's a protective measure. Uh, it also makes sense that she's pretty wary about getting too close to anybody. Uh, early on in the comics, she tells the story of her attempt at her first kiss, which left her childhood sweetheart Cody in a permanent coma. Unsurprisingly, has made her fairly wary of getting involved with anybody ever again. <laughs> but of course, Rogue went on to become one half of one of the most beloved comic book couples of all time. This is Gambit, uh, who is a Cajun hero who has the ability to kinetically charge 
items, small items like playing cards and cause them to explode. These two don't have a particularly smooth history. Uh, remember again what DC said that superheroes don't get to have happy personal lives? Unfortunately, this is true of Marvel heroes. Uh, Rogue's inability to touch anybody, of course, puts something of a damper on their relationship, but her mind also gets in the way. In X-Men 41, the two share their first kiss, which is this first image here, which again is largely regarded as one of the most iconic comic book kisses. At the time, they think the world is about to end, so they decide to take the risk. Unfortunately, the world doesn't end, and Rogue actually ends up absorbing some of Gambit's powers and also his memories. Gambit at the time is keeping a terrible secret from the X-Men. While Rogue doesn't know exactly what the secret is, she has absorbed his guilt about whatever it is he's keeping from them. His guilt messes with her head somewhat, and she leaves him to die in Antarctica. We've, we've all had dates go badly, but that's pretty, pretty extreme. Um, somehow after this, Gambit finds his way home uh, to the X-Men and the X-Manor, and they patch things up and they get back together, and their on-off relationship continues. Eventually, Rogue does learn to control her powers, which seems like it'd be good news for Gambit, really. But unfortunately, her mind is still not quite there. She's not quite sure about this. She doesn't want to take the risk, so she decides to test out these new powers by laying this kiss on Gambit again. So you think, yeah, fantastic, Gambit's going to do well out of this. Unfortunately, she immediately breaks apart from this kiss and tells him that she cannot even think about being a couple right now. Yeah, after so long unable to touch anybody, poor Rogue is not really ready to have any kind of physical relationship. I've always found her a really interesting mix of strength and vulnerability, which I think is a very delicate balance to get right, especially in a female hero. And I think this exchange is a fairly classic example of this. Uh, the big two in comics seem to have finally noticed that female comic fans have had huge buying power, so things have started to change. Marvel and DC have made some real effort to attract more female buyers and uh, have made some huge changes to their heroes in order to do this. First up was Thor. This might look slightly different to the Chris Hemsworth version that you may have been used to seeing. In 2013, uh, that version of Thor lost his abilities to wield his hammer Mjolnir. Soon afterwards, an identified woman picks up the hammer. After some persuasion, Thor decides to give up the name of Thor and the hammer and the right to be the god of thunder. And this woman, who is later revealed to be Thor's girlfriend Jane Foster, takes over. This is not the only example of this in the last couple of years. Earlier this year, Marvel announced that Tony Stark would be hanging up the suit as Iron Man and would be replaced by a new hero, Ironheart. Ironheart is Riri Williams, a black female 15-year-old engineering student pretty different to Tony Stark. The other recent example is Laura Kinney, or X-23. She got a new job this year. Uh, Laura Kinney is actually the, the clone daughter of Logan, or is his better known, Wolverine. She has the same retractable claws and the healing abilities. But unfortunately, uh, there was also a storyline called The Death of Wolverine, spoilers in the title, which meant that a virus hit the world that turned off Logan's healing powers. He dies, and this woman takes over as Wolverine. The costume that she has is reminiscent of the kind of the famous blue and yellow spandex that Wolverine wore a lot in the 90s. It's kind of the iconic look from the cartoon series. Uh, they were definitely trying to bring back, I think, a classic feel for Wolverine, even if it was a different hero wearing the claws. A lot of these changes have not been met with hugely positive responses, um, but I think the difference mainly here is that it's the publicity. People felt that this had never been done before and was really shocking to replace a hero, but it's actually happened quite a lot throughout the history of comics. Hawkeye has, uh, is a name used by two heroes, uh, other than the most famous, who's Clint Barton, who's the one that's been appearing in the Avengers movies. The most recent Hawkeye is also actually female, Kate Bishop. Uh, Captain America is perhaps best known as Steve Rogers, but it was also used as a title by both Bucky Barnes and Sam Wilson. Peter Parker was replaced as Spider-Man by Miles Morales. Uh, and even Bruce Wayne couldn't be the only Batman. 
the bat suit has been worn by several other people, including Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, Damien Wayne, and several others. In the comic book world, superheroes are easily replaced and easily reset. <laughs> <laughs> of course, these days we're pretty used to seeing our superheroines on television and in the movies. Uh, one of the most interesting, I think, is the Marvel Netflix series Jessica Jones. In the comics, Jones is the hero Jewel. Um, the jewel that we see in Jessica Jones has failed as a superhero. It's all gone terribly wrong. She's a complex, gritty heroine. She's battling alcoholism and PTSD after being uh, held under the control of the bad guy, the Purple Man, or Kilgrave. Kilgrave is a pretty chilling representation of just about any controlling, abusive partner out there. And while he is supernatural, his behaviour is pretty recognisable for a lot of women. Uh, as the series progresses, we watch Jones battle her, battle her demons, and there are a lot of questions raised about victimisation, consent, and what happens after a relationship ends. Despite being literally a strong woman, her superpower is that she has super strength, Jones is really struggling with the mental effects of this relationship, which makes her a pretty different heroine to the ones we were used to seeing on our TV screens. She's not the only one, of course, to be pretty famous at the moment. Uh, this is Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow in the Avengers movies. Uh, she's, uh, yeah, she started out in uh, Iron Man 2 and past became one of the most popular Avengers. People started to ask for a solo movie pretty much as soon as she came out. Unfortunately, Marvel seemed to have kind of dismissed this. Despite her popularity, Black Widow has found herself at the centre of something of a controversy. Uh, in 2015, merchandise for the Avengers Age of Ultron hit the shelves. Almost immediately after that, a Twitter account appeared. It was called Where's Black Widow? Uh, an article from the Huffington Post explored this Twitter account to try and establish what was going on and found that out of 88 pieces of official Ultra merchandise, just six featured Black Widow. To put this into perspective, she actually has more screen time than most of the male members of the team. So it's slightly interesting. The same trend was true of unofficial merchandise too, unfortunately. Where's Black Widow began a campaign to draw attention to the lack of representation of female characters in the merchandise. Shortly afterwards, a Tumblr blog called But Not Black Widow began to document the issue too, extending it to cover other heroines missing from the merch. I've got some screenshots of some of, some of what these blogs found. Um, this is a set of birthday invitations sold as an Avengers line and you can see all the Avengers there except Black Widow. This is a t-shirt that features DC characters. Oh there is not a single woman on it. This is a range of Kinder Surprise toys that was themed around Avengers and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, again, Black Widow is missing and so is Maria Hill who is a fairly key character in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and pretty cool as well but unfortunately missed out on the merchandise. Yes, I say Black Widow isn't the only hero that this has happened to. Uh, a media studies scholar, Dr. Christopher Bell, presented a TED talk earlier this year about the struggles of trying to find toys for his daughter. Uh, Bell's daughter is about five or six, I think, and she had fallen in love with the movie Guardians of the Galaxy, most specifically the green-skinned alien heroine Gamora. Now, like any good geek dad, Bell went out to try and find just about anything he could get his hands on with Gamora on it. Unfortunately, he didn't have a whole lot of luck. Gamora got the same treatment as Black Widow, and there's nowhere to be seen on the merchandise. Uh, this doesn't happen just to superheroes, this is also, there's been similar campaigns have been run to include Princess Leia and Rey from Star Wars, but again, largely ignored. Uh, sometimes, as well as being forgotten, the women are straight up replaced in the merchandise. There is a particularly uh, famous Avengers toy which includes Captain America and a motorbike. Captain America doesn't actually have a motorbike, the motorbike belongs to Black Widow, but she rides it in the movies, but she's not in the toy. <laughs> But why does it matter? Uh, well, in Bell's talk, he says this. So these companies are teaching my daughter that even if she is strong and smart and fast and fights like a ninja, all four of which are true of her, doesn't matter. She will either be ignored like Gamora or erased and replaced with a boy like Black Widow. And it's not fair. Which is a, a shame, I think. Um, 
So while female superheroes have obviously come a long way since Wonder Woman and her scandalous shorts in the 1940s, there is still a pretty long way to go, I think. <laughs> there are hundreds of amazing heroines that I haven't had sort of time to talk about, um, including uh, Squirrel Girl, Supergirl, Wasp, Silk Spectre, never mind female villains. I mean, there's some incredible ones out there, Poison Ivy, Harley Quinn, but I feel like that's a whole other talk. <laughs> I think uh, if people want to see more women in, in comics, we need to go and buy the female-led titles that are out there. Um, there is a term in gaming called vote with your dollar, and I think that stands for comics as well. There are some really, really, really amazing heroes out there. If anybody's interested in what I talked about, there's some links for some of the stuff that I've mentioned in some refrigerators, where's Black Widow. Um, I highly recommend The Secret History of One Woman. It is a fascinating book. Marston was quite a character. Not always pleasant, but interesting. Um, and her history is, uh, is yeah, pretty amazing. Uh, and that's me. Can and nobody you? tweet me with the bits I got wrong. Yes, <laughs> there really there will be something. Yeah, no, it's going to be well, well worth a listen, that is. Yes. I think it's important that people do hear about all of the really important female comics characters and superheroes. Yeah. There's right? some really cool ones out there. Yeah. And the Gunmaker's Arms is quite a unique venue. It, it certainly it was. was. We were in the back in the brewery, which was great, but it was also freezing. But yes. um, it was, yeah, it was a unique setup, to say the least. <laughs> but no, it's good. It's good fun. Right. So now it's time for Why Is It Rubbish? And why is something where we shot everyone in the studio? I, I think I'll let Guy lead on this one. No, no, the I'll anger buy, is built. I'll buy my time. I'll buy my time. I'll okay. see what your opinions are first, and then I'll see where it goes. Is, George, it, is it the German market? It is the German market. The most hateful thing to, <laughs> to ruin my life for eight weeks, six to eight weeks now, eight weeks eight of the weeks. year. The central Birmingham is pretty much a no-go zone if you actually want to commute. Where's this then? This German market, where is it? The Frankfurt <laughs> German market, which is the entirety of Birmingham city centre now, I think. Oh, I haven't noticed it. <laughs> so just, yeah, and your little small things. Oh, just kind of like a little, kind of couple of little tables down the back well, street. It's the same it's three tables repeated ad infinitum. It is like... Sausage, it reminds beer, me of, you know, like item. in uh, Scooby-Doo when they would just roll the background behind them when they were running. I think yes. that's what it is. You walk down, down New Street is that, and that it is kind of... going to happen at the end of the yes. eight weeks? Somebody's going to get caught and they're going to take their head off and it's going to be, oh, it was all your fault, Mr. What's-its-name. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, yeah, <laughs> repeated. You meddling kids. Frat burst Berliners. I wouldn't mind it sold as the Frankfurt market, but nothing's from actually Frankfurt that I can see there. No. It's just, it's just in the way. I just want to get to work. Just how, many years, nice how many years has it been running for now? 16 years oh now. 16 full years, and it's grown like a virus across Birmingham's city centre. It's gone from, I think it was <laughs> about 20 stalls up to like a couple of hundred now. And yeah, it, I think when it first started out, it was, you know, it was yeah. something different, something unusual, and probably had yeah. you know, some value. And I, I've certainly, over the years, bought some quite nice items from there but I think the last few years it's been so how many like, rock salt lamps do you own now I don't own any of it I, it was bizarrely <laughs> what I bought was kind of old um, letterpress letter printing bits and pieces mm -hmm. so type and stuff like that which cool. is kind of really nice so yeah, yeah there was some unusual stuff now but I'm not quite sure I need a pom pom handbag or a yeah, uh, um, a rock salt lamp. Rock salt lamp. Yeah, yeah, I understand it helps bring money into the city and it's good for tourism. But for people who live in and around Birmingham and working around the city centre, it is such a pain to get anywhere. Surely this year will be worse as well because because we're yeah. in the middle of lots of uh, road works and building work, so it all stretches yeah. up the way up to where the library is. And now the library is kind, um, yeah. yeah. kind of like you could must get a bit kind of. Uh, difficult to get around Just, so we yes. really needed an extra level to the assault course that it is to yes. walk through Birmingham city centre at the moment uh, I think the vein throbbing on guys head has reached peak anger now wooden hoods aren't they yes 
Anybody, no. anybody got a match? <laughs> oh, we do not encourage violence against the German no. market. Literally. Guy's opinions are his own. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, this thing is the biggest waste of time ever. It's not just the market, okay? People are trying to make business here. You know, even it's like Tosh that are selling. It's the people that go, which annoy me. And I apologise mm. if you're a listener and you like the German market. But I, if you go to the German market, you're subjecting yourself to shuffling along and just not being able to move. It is a waste of time. I used to live in Lincoln and they had the biggest Christmas market in, in the UK. And it was like, when I was at uni there, it was a weekend thing. So it was like Thursday through to Sunday. One weekend, but the city was a nightmare. But it was done and dusted. Anybody who needs to go, go over the course of one weekend. It doesn't need to be there for that long. It's yeah, not it's great. Weeks weeks it's not it. festive. It's just tatty. It just makes it sort of doing normal things difficult. We tried to go out for dinner last night with some friends from work. And one of my friends is on crutches at the moment. So I'm trying to navigate the German market with a crutch. I mean, you'd think people would be kind of polite enough to maybe step slightly out of the way, but no. Sorry, have you ever lived in Birmingham before? No, obviously not. Obviously not. I mean, clearly, getting to the Bratwurst was far more important. It's just, it's just, I, I'm so frustrated with it because <coughs> it's now become my 20 minute walk from home is now a 40 minute walk from home because I have to go all the way to the jewelry quarter because there is no way through the town centre unless you walk through the German market. It's completely blocked off everything that's my route. Get a bike. Also as well, no German cosplay. What's going on with yes. that? Should we should be people in Lederhosen yes. dressed up like they're out of what that film with Julie Andrews where they sing on the Sound of Music. Sound of Music. <laughs> yes. I highly encourage the listeners at home to make their own outfits out of their curtains as yes. they do in the Sound of Music Let's and go to the German Germanic market. Cosplay down there. Do it. Yes. Perhaps don't there might be some Germanic cosplay we want to avoid. But yes, and yes. don't fall for the trick of buying the crappy blue glue wine mugs or the beers. Yes, if you have a mug that you've put a deposit for, take it back. Don't keep it as a souvenir. Definitely get it back to the front of that queue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's pretty much us. Pretty much it for Scott us this Ryan. week. Scatman Ryan returns. Yay! <laughs> My thank yous to Keith. You're welcome, sir. George. Thank you. Guy. Are we back in a minute? Yeah, we are back in a minute. But special mention <laughs> for Lou. Yes, special mention for Lou. <laughs> who will be returning at some point soon. Absolutely. Maybe on Periscope or YouTube, so keep your eyes out. Lou uh, the Doll will return. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please consider joining our listener supporters. You can do this by clicking the support tab on our website or go direct to Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Brum Radio. Brum Radio shows are streamed online at the Brum Radio Mixcloud page and you can find more podcasts at brumradio.com.